0: Bibles this morning please turn them to Hebrews chapter 12. I love that song. That song told us that um, Jesus borrowed a tomb for three days. Can you say amen? <laughs> now why did he borrow a tomb? He wasn't going to need it long. Amen. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Um. And my Bible tells me the same resurrecting power that raised up Jesus on that first Easter morning is the same power that raises us up when we place our faith in Christ. Wow, what a powerful, powerful song of worship. Thank you so much, worship team. Great job this morning as always. This morning, I want to talk to you about the seriousness of sin. and I want to answer the question, how serious is sin? We want to answer that. According to God's word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything we do in here, uh, around here, we want to make sure it's done by the power of the Holy Spirit and according to the word of God. And that's what we want to do here today. Without His work and His will being performed in this place, we can never be effective. Now, in Hebrews chapter number 12, in verse number 1, the Bible says it like this Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, watch what it says. Let us lay aside every weight. How many of you know sin weighs you down? Sin keeps you from running the race God wants you to run. Sin entangles you as a believer in the ways of the world. Sin causes you to not be obedient to the will of God for your life. And so the writer says, let us lay aside every weight, that thing that besets us, that thing that sets us on the wrong path. Let us lay it aside and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's pray today. Father, we do love you. Thank you so much, Lord, for the truth of your word. Thank you for your presence that's in this place this morning. Lord, I want to thank you that you promise Whenever we meet together, you meet with us. I'm thankful that you inhabit the praises of your people. I'm thankful today that, Lord, I know you want to work in the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls. Father, that's what we ask for. We ask if there be one here that's lost, you save them. If there be one here that's in a backsliding condition, you bring them back to yourself. Lord, if there's anything uh, in this place, in each and every heart, not pleasing unto you, would you reveal it to us so that we might be what you want us to be? Show us this morning just how serious sin is. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. I am a fan of Indiana Jones. Anybody else? Yeah, me too. I love Indiana Jones. As a matter of fact, uh, some of my favorite movies of all time uh, are the Indiana Jones movies. There's four of them. Um, There's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Y'all remember that one, don't you, when Indiana Jones was looking for the Ark of the Covenant. Then we have Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, That was a good one. That was one of my favorites. And then we have Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the, or excuse me, uh, The Last Crusade, which is my personal favorite of all the movies. And then we have Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Now, all four of them are fantastic. As you can tell, I'm an Indiana Jones connoisseur. I mean, they're they're talking about Indiana Jones number five. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that when it comes out. I don't know how how Harrison Ford is going to do what he's always done as Indiana Jones. But um, uh, we'll see. We'll see. So I'm excited about that. But on one of those movies in um, The Last Crusade, if you remember, um, Indiana Jones is looking for the Holy Grail. And we know the Holy Grail to be the cup of Christ. And he, he, he's looking for that cup that Jesus drank from um, at the Last Supper with his disciples. And so at the end of the movie, Indiana Jones and his team, after a whole lot of stuff that went on, they finally make it to the place where the Grail has been hidden, where the cup of Christ is. And if you remember, Indiana Jones had to go through um, several tests to get into the cup room where the Holy Grail was. First of all, he had to spell out the name of Jehovah in Latin by taking the right path. Had to step on the right stone. and, uh, uh, And so that was his first test. And then he had to take a walk or a leap of faith. There was a great chasm there in the um, in the mountain where he was looking for the cup, and he had to walk across uh, where there was no bridge. So he had to step out on faith that there, uh, that the, there was going to be something there to hold him up, and so he finally passes those two tests and walks into the cup room. And when he gets into the cup room, there's all kinds of different cups in there. I mean, there's gold cups and silver cups and um, cups that are encrusted with emeralds and jewels. And and so he's looking at all of them, and he's trying to find the cup of the carpenter from Nazareth. Can you say amen? He's finding the cup of Jesus. And if you remember uh, from that movie, there was a knight that was guarding the cups in there from the crusades. And so uh, the knight looks at Indiana Jones and he says something that I thought was fantastic and it's good advice for us. The the knight looks at Indiana Jones right before he picks the cup he's going to pick and he says, choose wisely. Now that knight knew something that we need to know. He was aware of something that we need to be aware of. How many of you know um, the right choice and the wrong choice both have great consequence in our lives? What we choose to do or choose not to do, the way we go means something. Whatever you drink from, whatever cup you choose to drink from, will have consequences for you. And so this morning, I am asking you as the people of God, uh, listen, uh, choose wisely. Because I want you to understand and know, sin is a very serious matter. Before we can really see how serious sin is, let's find out what it is because there's many differing opinions as to what sin is. So I want to give you a biblical answer. Now, if you'll look with me at three verses of Scripture this morning, we're going to find out what God's Word says concerning sin. Look with me, first of all, in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, and look down at verse number 4. The Bible says, "...whoever commits sin transgresseth also the law..." For sin is the transgression of the law. So according to 1 John 3 and 4, we sin when we break the law. Whose law? What law? Well, God's law. Now that begs the question, what is God's law? God has given us ten commandments. Can you say amen? Uh, we've all heard of the Ten Commandments. We've learned about them since we were little boys and little girls. Uh, we see them on the plaques on the wall. We've read about them in Scripture. Uh, let's look at the Ten Commandments just a moment. The first four deals with our relationship to God. Uh, now, the first four, if you remember, were uh, you shall not have other gods before, before me. The Lord says you shall not make idols Unto yourself to worship besides me, you shall not take God's name in vain. You shall not. Re- you shall remember the Sabbath day and, and keep that day holy. So the first four deals with our relationship to God. The last six deals with our relationship to man. Uh, things like thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not uh, lie, thou shalt not steal, commit adultery, thou shalt not covet what your neighbor has. You ought to honor your father and mother. And if you remember, Jesus said it like this concerning the law. There was a time in in the book of Matthew chapter 22 when the scribes and the Pharisees came unto the Lord and they said, Master, can you tell us what the great commandment is? What's the greatest of all the commandments? He said, if you want to know what the law is all about, if you want to know what those 10 commandments, uh, if you can sum it up, he, he puts it like this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's God's law. And the Bible says when we choose to break God's law by what we do or we don't do, sin of commission or sins of omission, when we break that, then that's called sin. For transgression of the law is sin according to 1 John 3 and 4. So what does that say to all of us? Well, let me ask you, do we have anybody here this morning who has loved God perfectly all your life? I mean, you've always loved God like you're supposed to. You've always put God first. You've never created an idol so that uh, you might worship it instead of worshiping the God who deserves worship. You, you've always done according to God just what needs to be done. You've perfectly loved Him. I don't think anybody could say that this morning, can we? So none of us have loved God like we should. Thereby, we've broke God's law and that makes us Sinners. Now then, let me ask you the next part. That's dealing with the first four commandments. How many of you have loved people like you're supposed to love people? How many of you have always been perfect? You've never told a lie. You've never stolen anything, took something that didn't belong to you. Uh, you, You've never coveted what somebody else had. You've always loved people perfectly. I think we can all be honest this morning and say, we failed in loving God and we failed in loving people. The Bible says it like this, Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10, There is none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody that's done everything right according to God's standard, and God's standard is His Word. Romans 3.23 puts it like this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm talking about those standing in the pulpit, those sitting in the pew. Listen to me now. From from the ceiling to the floor, from the back door to to, to right up here, everybody in this place and everybody throughout the whole world have failed God. and we failed people. We've broken God's law and that makes us sinners. We are condemned, the Bible says, Romans chapter 3, by the law of God. It shows us just how sinful we truly are. So could we all say this morning that the breaking of God's law is sin? If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Absolutely. What else? The Bible says something else about sin that I want you to look look at with me at at Proverbs chapter 21. Everybody turn over there with me. I want you to see this this morning. Proverbs 21, and let's look down this morning, please, at verse number 4. The writer puts it like this, a high look and a proud heart. Now, I think he put those in, in, in that order for a reason. The Holy Spirit of God uh, speaking to and speaking through Solomon puts it down for us to see. He says, a high look and a proud heart. Uh, now, let me tell you what I believe he means by that. A high, a high look or a proud look um, will reveal what's in the heart. Can you say Amen. And so the Bible says a high look and a proud heart. And then he goes on to say, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. So when I read this verse, I don't know about you, but I struggled with it a little bit. And I thought, well, Lord, how is it possible that just a man plowing his garden is wickedness before you? How can that be sin? Well, you've got to understand the nature of man. How many of you know we've all sinned because of what we've done? We've broken God's law, but we've also sinned because of who we are. Let let me share with you what I mean. The Bible says it like this, that we all died in Adam according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. All of us were dead in Adam. How many of you know Adam broke God's law in the garden as the first man, Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman, and when that happened, sin entered this world. Sin entered into the heart of man. And listen to me now. Sin was passed down through Adam generation to generation to generation all the way down to you and I. Listen to me now. So that everybody that's born in the seed of Adam is born into sin. And when the Bible says the wicked here in Proverbs 21 and verse number 4, the wicked are those who've rebelled against God. Those who still stand in rebellion of God and rebellion of His Son, Jesus, they are considered by God Himself wicked. And those who are still in their sin, listen, everything they do is tainted by their sinful nature. Even the good stuff. Ain't nothing wrong with plowing. But the Bible says, simply because the wicked are in rebellion of God, they're Walking against God and against God's ways. They haven't trusted in who God is or what he's done. God even sees the plowing they do as sinful. Apart from Jesus, everything we do is tainted by sin. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. So transgression of the law is sin. Even the plowing of the wicked is sin. Let's look at something else. Everybody turn with me to Romans chapter number 14. Watch what the Bible tells us there. Romans chapter 14. And let's look down at verse number 21. Romans 14, 21, the the, the people here are having a problem with what they should eat and what they should drink, and there was a lot of disagreement on the subject, and so the Apostle Paul, uh, he gives them some clarity, and he gives us some clarity. That's what he says in the 21st verse. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. So they were uh, arguing over what they should eat and what they should drink. And so Paul says it like this. He says, look, anything that you do, make sure that you're doing it as to not make your brother stumble. So our main objective, our main goal as people of God, how many of you know, is to love our brother. Amen. Amen. And to love God. It's not to please the flesh. Let me see if I can illustrate his point just a moment. Let's just say for argument's sake that uh, my favorite breakfast food is chocolate and biscuits. All right, I love chocolate and biscuits. I'm telling you when somebody can make a good crispy, uh, burn around the edges pan of biscuits and some good chocolate to pour over the top of that. That with some uh, um, country ham on the side, some good old salty country ham. That's about the closest to heaven I think we can get on this earth. I mean, I absolutely love that with all my heart. But let's just say this morning, um, let's just say Brother Don. Brother Don uh, has a problem with chocolate and biscuits. Let's just say he's diabetic, um, physically speaking, and and he knows he can't have chocolate and biscuits. And usually you know, uh, just like I know, that if you can't have something, it just makes you want it all the more. I mean, he loves chocolate and biscuits. He wants to eat chocolate and biscuits. He's tempted by chocolate and biscuits, but he knows it's not best for him to eat that stuff. Now, let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go and fix me a big old plate of chocolate and biscuits and country ham and go and sit down in front of Brother Don and eat that. You me tell you why? Because my main goal is to love my brother. My main goal is to make sure he don't stumble. My main goal is not to please my flesh, but to love Him and love God. Can you say amen? Amen. And so the Apostle Paul says, if it causes your brother to stumble, leave it alone. Then he goes on and takes it a step further. He says in verse 22, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself therefore before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself the thing which he alloweth. How do you condemn yourself? That means when you feel guilty about doing something, praise God. As a child of God, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. So if you feel guilty about it, if you doubt about it, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Look what he says in the last part, verse 23. He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You know, there's some things, folks. That's black and white in the Word of God. It tells us we shouldn't do and what we should do. There's some things that there's kind of some gray areas there. Well, guess what? You've got to rely on in those times the Holy Spirit of God, convicting your heart. And when He does, as a child of God, leave whatever it is alone. How I mean, you know the Bible never says I shouldn't go to a movie theater? Don't say that. But I'll tell you what has happened in my life before. Me and my wife went and paid 30-something dollars to get in a movie theater and popcorn and a drink. You know what I'm talking about. And we get set down and 12 minutes into the movie, I decide this is not what's best for me or her or my family and we've got up and left. Let me tell you why. Not because God's Word says don't go in a movie theater, but what was going on on the screen convicted my heart. Are you seeing what I'm saying? I didn't want to make anybody stumble. I, I didn't want to displease God or hurt my brother. Hurt myself. So you had to leave on out. Can you say amen? So what is sin? Well, it's transgression of the law. It can even be the plowing of the wicked, those in rebellion of God. And whatever you do, you can't do it in good faith and good conscience. To that man, it's sin. If you believe God's word, save amen today. Yeah, that's sin. Now what does sin do? How serious is sin? Let me tell you what I fear more than anything else. Many times we become comfortable with our sin. We're okay with it. A lot of times you can even get proud of it. You can explain it. You can excuse it. You can make it sound really good. You can even laugh about it. Let me share this with you. Sin to God is no laughing matter. And it shouldn't be to us. In Numbers, I'm not going to go over there and read it to you. I want you to go back and read it this week, please. But In in the book of Numbers, chapter number 16, you'll find the story of a man by the name of Korah. Korah stood in rebellion to Moses. Moses was God's man. Moses was God's leader. Moses was preaching God's message. He was leading the children of Israel from um, Egypt where they were enslaved God, by His power, brought them out through the blood and by His power and was bringing them unto the promised land and He was using Moses to do it. Right in the middle of the journey, there was a man by the name of Korah in Numbers chapter 16 that rebelled against Moses and he caused others in the congregation of Israel to rebel as well. These people, this man, was rebelling against God's man and God's message. And if you go over there and look, you're going to find in Numbers 16, God was very serious about that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God met with Moses and he met with Aaron and he said, I want you to remove uh, your tent from around Korah's tent. Get away from them. Separate yourself from them. And then the Bible says in Numbers chapter 16 that God caused the earth to open up and all of those that were standing in rebellion with Korah were swallowed up by the earth. You want me tell you why? Well, God's pretty serious about sin. Amen. Let me share this with you. You ought to be serious about it as well. If you go on and read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 5, verses 1 through 11, you're going to find the story about Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira lied unto the church, and they lied unto the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, um, in a council meeting with Peter himself, uh, they lied unto the Lord there that day, lied unto Peter. Guess what happened? God caused both of them to fall dead on the spot. Let me tell you why. God's serious about sin. Now, folks, I want to tell you, God doesn't cause everybody who stands in rebellion uh, to the things of God to be swallowed up by the earth, and He don't cause everybody um, who lies to drop down dead. But I think God is showing us in His precious Word. Listen to me now—that He is very serious about things that displease Him. So we ought to take it serious. We don't wink at our sin. We we don't excuse our sin. We don't explain our sin. Sin makes God sick. And it ought to make us sick. We've become comfortable with it. Let us stop excusing our sin and confess our sin. Let us stop explaining our sin and repent of our sin. Turn from it. Let us stop laughing at our sin and be broken because of our sin. Let me tell you why. It was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. So when you don't love God like you should, don't laugh about it. Don't make light of it. Listen, when you fail your neighbor, it ought to bother you. Something's wrong in the church today when we are so comfortable with what God saved us from. We should not be comfortable with complacency. Okay with Where we are. Never wanted to grow in the things of God. Taking four steps backward before we ever go. Something's wrong when you're comfortable there. Are you hearing me? It's a serious matter. Let let me read to you how serious it is. Go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's start with Verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called. Watch what it says. For Christ also suffered for us. Everybody say, Suffered. Do you know Jesus took the cat of nine tails for you? Do you know the beard of Jesus was plucked out for you? Do you know he was nailed to a Roman cross for you? Do you know the, the crown of thorns they put on his head? He did that for you and for me. He suffered for us. This is how he puts it. For us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin. Jesus was perfect and holy in all his ways. He never once sinned but took the punishment for mine and for yours. It was for us he suffered. How serious is God about sin? if he would put his son on the cross? How serious is God about sin if he'd kill his son? You know that's what he did, didn't he? Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, the Bible says, uh, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. And he's laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our sin is not only very serious, but listen, it separated us from God. It caused us to go astray. Can you say amen? Apart from the promises of God, apart from the family of God, our sin separated us from God's holiness. But listen to me, God, because He loved you, gave you Christ. So how serious is sin to God? If he would put His Son on a cross to take care of it. He suffered for us. Watch what else. Who when He was reviled, reviled not. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. Watch what it says in verse 24. Who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree. So why was Jesus put on the tree? To become our sin bearer. He bore my sin. He bore your sin. So if, that, if sin is that serious to God, it ought to be that serious to you. Don't, don't be comfortable with it. Don't excuse it. Don't explain it. Conf, confess it and repent of it. I want you to know this morning, sin is a very serious matter. Sin separates us from God but I also want you to know that sin saturates every area of your life. Everything you do. I've heard it said many times. I was counseling with a young man who had a drug addiction. And he said this to me. He said, this is my life I'll live it how I want to live it. I'm not hurting nobody but myself. Let me say this. I bet if you asked that mother, she'd tell you a different story. If you asked that father, he'd tell you a different story. See, what I want you to know is that sin saturates every every fiber of who you are. It, it not only affects you, it affects those around you. You don't believe sin affects you and affects others around you? We must look to the word of God. Look, look what happens in, in John chapter 21. Peter is my hero. Told you that many times. Peter gives me hope. Peter was a great man of God whom the Lord used in a fantastic way. But Peter was far from perfect and needed God's grace. How do you know I can relate to that? I mean, I know but we've got others here that are perfect, but I'm not. The truth is, we all need God's grace, don't we? Sure. Just like Peter. And, and, and oh, Peter! I'm telling you, he denied the Lord three times. The Bible said um, he, he he left the Lord at the time when Jesus needed him most. After promising he would be willing to die for him, Peter failed the Lord terribly, and because of that, he was greatly depressed and discouraged. And in John chapter number twenty-one. You find the story after Jesus had been resurrected from the grave and met with his disciples. In the 21st chapter of John, the Bible says it like this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee, on this wise showed he himself. Verse 2, there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Verse 3, Simon Peter said unto them, I go a-fishing. Now watch what happens. Simon says, all right, guys, I'm going back to fishing, and watch what they all say. Then they say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Now, I want you to get the picture. Is there anything wrong with going fishing? Absolutely not. Nothing wrong with going fishing, praise God. Nothing wrong with going fishing. I love to fish myself. Nothing wrong with it. But let me tell you what this represents. How do you know when Jesus called Peter there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee? He said, Peter, from henceforth, you're going to catch men, brother. I know you're a fisher of fish, but from now on out, by my power, working in you and working through you, I'm going to perform my will through your life, and you're going to be a fisherman of men. He changed Peter's destiny, he changed Peter's life completely. Peter, listen to me now. Had a new purpose, and I think the picture that is being painted here, after a very uh, discouraging time, a very depressing time, a time of failure, Peter says, "I've give up. That's it. I'm done. It's over. I failed the Lord. He's never going to let me come back and serve Him." And he said, "I tell you what, guys. That's it for me. I'm going fishing." I'm going back to my old life the way I used to be. I'm giving up. I'm quitting. And when Peter said, I go a fishing, the Bible says, they also went with him. See, his decision did not just affect him. It infected everybody else. Let me tell you something, fathers, husbands. The decisions you make the choices you make, they not only affect you, they infect your family. Mamas, the decisions and choices you make not only affect you, they infect your husband, your children. Children of God, those who claim the name of Jesus, the decisions, the choices you make not only affect you, they infect everybody around you. There are people looking at you you didn't know is looking at you. Expecting something different from you because you claim the name of Jesus. So let me encourage you. Remember. Choose wisely. Now. Now. Some of you may be here this morning and you're just like myself. You take inventory of your life as a child of God. You say, you know what? I've bloated. I've missed the mark. Several different areas. And let me tell you what God the Holy Spirit does. He seems to take his finger and put it right on the place where you know You need God's help. You need God's forgiveness. You need God's grace. You need God's mercy. Whatever it is for you. That area in your life that you struggle with. Well, let me tell you this. Just because you've messed up, just because you've blown it, folks, join the crowd. We all have. See, I need God's grace and mercy daily. How about you? All of us do. Because in our flesh, in our flesh, while we're living in this world, we will be tempted and from time to time we will fall into temptation. I am so very thankful today. The same grace that saved me is sufficient to keep me. I'm so thankful God does not throw the clay away. I love that old song. He that hath begun the good work in you will perform it in the day of Jesus Christ. But let me share this with you now. Just like the writer in Hebrews says, you've got to be willing to lay aside the weight, the sin that besets you and run your race. Stop explaining it. Stop excusing it. Stop, listen, trying to make it sound good and just come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm wrong, you're right. I confess my sin to you, repent of it, and turn to Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you're lost, sin, like we spoke about before, has separated you from a holy God. But I've got good news for you. Jesus forgives sin. And if you'll trust Him this morning, by faith that He died for your sin at the cross, He rose again the third day. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you're a child of God but you know there's some things in your life God's not pleased with, get it right today. It's a serious matter to the Lord. Listen, it separates and it saturates. I can promise you that. And if you're here and you're lost, listen, God's got a plan and purpose for your life but you'll never realize it until you know Jesus personally. Until you've placed your faith in Christ and been born again. That's your invitation. Everybody stand this morning. Brother, come on up.